0: Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing,
1: different, different.
0: This is NOCO FM.
2: Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Today, we will be talking with the owners of Discover Pathways, Mary Kobenschlag, Laura Hensinger, and Mary Perry. They are truly amazing women who believe in helping individuals create a better world by helping them be happier with their career. Discover Pathways works with high school students on the college or non-traditional path, as well as college students with degrees and career matching, individuals who are on the path to launch their careers or transition into a new career, as well as offer career services to include career management, interview guidance and support, mentoring, performance reviews, salary negotiations, and hold workshops focused on career development. I would like to welcome my dear friends, Mary and Laura, and my new friend, Mary, and they are from Discover Pathways, and I'm so excited to introduce them because I want everyone to learn a little more about the story behind Discover Pathways and how it was all created. I want to just hear about how this
3: came to be. What is Discover Pathways? Sure. It started probably five years ago. Laura and I were in corporate America. We were at IBM. And we were in technology and people services area. And at that time, at least for myself and Laura and I've worked together for probably 10, 15 years before that, I was moving up in the ranks in the executive path. And I was given a special assignment by our CEO, Jenny Rametti, which I was super excited about. And it was to grow staff around the world. And it was to develop that staff, their skills, identify new areas where we could expand our delivery services. And I remember standing with her in New York City in headquarters, And she was announcing this movement and I I was leading it. And I'll be honest, I just heard this voice in me that said, this isn't where you're supposed to be anymore. And for me, it was a real turning point in my career because it's everything I had wanted to be and do and, and worked so hard for 25 years at the company. And yet I just had this feeling that I was supposed to be doing something else. So during that time, some things in my personal life started failing my health boys' struggles with our sons. And so I just decided to take a leave of absence. And at that point, Laura decided to take a early retirement. And I can remember the day I was working with Laura, doing some of the same type of activities I would do in professional development for the company. And I was doing it with her to help her explore new career paths and maybe a direction that she would want to take. And we were developing our websites together, but separately. And we looked at each other and said, Hey, I think we should do this together. And we didn't really understand what this meant, but we knew that this generation coming up, this group of millennials is struggling with what they want to do, what direction they should take, what kind of education or career path would work for them, as well as moms in the neighborhood. You know, I'm in this great age group where Our kids are leaving for college and we're becoming empty nesters. And a lot of friends I would talk to at parties or functions would say things like, maybe I'll go work in anthropology. And I would look at them and say, you have a master's and whatever. And before kids, you did something. And so let's explore that before you decide to make the jump to retail. So that's really how it all began. How did it all come together Basically, it was organic. We knew that there was a problem that existed. The problem was that our young adults are struggling and finding their path. We know there's a lot more depression and anxiety and addictions than there's ever been. And yet we see an affluence that we've also never seen, right? So there's this dichotomy between affluent kids or not affluent and this anxiety, stress, and addictions that we've never seen before. And so I really went back to, What is it I do to empower employees, the workforce? We can take that same model and duplicate it with our kids. And we weren't sure of the age groups, but as we started, we noticed that if we can work with our high schoolers, while they're still going through the curriculum they need to go through, but before they've chosen a career or an education path, then we could actually hijack that interrupt it and understand what their gifts, talents, and strengths are, because we know it's about strengths development, and play off of that. So we know if we can find out what their strengths are, cognitive behavior, interest, then we are tapping into an area that comes easier for them, even if they have no exposure to those careers, mapping it to careers, and then we know the education that you need in order to enter those careers. So we really took a look at it, different than education or development, we looked at it as this is this workforce that's coming into being, and what do we need to do to ready them to be competent in the workforce? And I think it's so important because
2: I have a son going into high school, and I cannot wait to send him to his aunties, (laughs) because I feel like... He's going to need to go there. And so will my daughter. And I want to hear more about some of the services that you do. Let's start with high schoolers, because that's where you started here.
0: Well, I wanted to just add a little bit about the problem we were seeing. And the high school counselors have a, a tremendous job. And unfortunately, they don't get to really dive into the career matching for the kids. And I think even the assessments that they provide, at the high school level, a really interest only. So the focus is on getting the kids across the stage, right? So there's that bottom 10%, and then the top 10%, which they want to get across the stage and to notable schools, that schools get money for that. So there's this 80% of kids that are just blowing in the wind for no other expression wow. that we really felt needed the attention. Mm -hmm. And more about them understanding themselves, not necessarily what the mom thinks, or you're going to go to see you and you're going to be an engineer, but find out really where your aptitudes are because you can't just be
2: interested in something and succeed. Do you think that high schoolers right now, whether they're the top 10 or the 80% even, know that going out of high school and into college, what they can even declare as a major?
0: It really depends on the family that they grew up in and also maybe some of the talks that they have if they have older siblings or, but no, I don't think they do. And unfortunately, we're seeing, like, you know, 70% of high school student graduates are going on to college and those that aren't, 4% of them are unemployed. Wow. So this whole like, well, I'll figure it out after I'm out of school isn't happening either. And then the work that's needed, the work, force that's needed for the jobs that are evolving really need post-secondary education. It doesn't have to be a four-year. It could even be a two-year. But that's not being conveyed or understood
2: either. So it's interesting because I'm thinking about my own experience and you know, I changed my major a couple of times and I went into school thinking I was going to be something and I ended up doing something else. Well, that's and, not
0: unusual. Yeah, so, I mean, 70% changed their major once. It costs like $45,000. Yeah,
2: I change. saw right. that. Yeah. So your website has some great information and I saw that. And I wouldn't know because my parents fortunately paid for my college tuition, but at the same time, in addition to the money, it's the time that you oh, spend, yeah. right? And then it's getting to the other side of college and then thinking, okay, I'm supposed to be this, but what I love about Discover Pathways is your motto is taking that passion and turning it into a career and getting that connection together. And so I was noticing that, and I love how you start as young as high school because I feel like it's something as simple as, like you said, like I remember those assessments in high school I don't remember where I was supposed to go. I did it. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. I was supposed to be like an architect or whatever it was, you know. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go, even if it told me that I was supposed to be an architect. And how did they even know? I even tried to trick the system. And I think I'd even try to take the assessment again and purposely do something different to see if it would come out differently. Right. How fair is that, too? So I'm really interested in how you work with high schoolers and Starting there, and I know that you work with college age, and I know you work with people that are in careers that want to transition out, but it's a whole bigger population than what we're thinking of as far as you creating this connection between the passion and the career.
3: Right. And I would add that the reason why we serve such a wide population is the problems are very similar and the solutions are very similar. So we can apply some of the same methodology, which is self-knowledge and self-introspection. What are the things that you're strong with, both cognitively, like I said, your behaviors and your interests? Also, what are your values and how does that play into what are the careers? And so when we're working specifically with people that are entering the workforce, let's say our college students or a career transitioner, you can see the things that they've been good at, also the things they've never been exposed to, and you can look at those skills and say, what's transferable? So what Laura was getting at is another big problem is that 50% of our college students don't graduate. So that is a tremendous amount of costs that we're incurring. We understand what the national debt is for these students and- The second is the 50% that do graduate, they are either 50% of those remaining are either underemployed or unemployed. So we are creating a system that is just not delivering on its promises, and it's also a very complex system. And so that is why we chose to bring on Mary, and Mary and I have been friends for many, many years, and... When I found out what she did and understood the capabilities there and where we really needed to start, which was back in freshmen, sophomores, that's where it all came back together.
2: Interesting. Okay, so Mary, tell us a little more about what you do and what you bring to Discover Pathways.
1: Well, very similar to these ladies, my process was also organic. I was at the right place at the right time. So Started out supporting our post grad center in a local Boulder Valley High School, so I got some experience that way. But a year later, transferred to Zurich, Switzerland, where I was able to also see students in international setting and was able to support the post grad center in that area. But again, no matter where you are in the world, the underlying theme is for all of these students: what do you want to do? Where do you want to spend your time? And that's something that was never addressed by any of the schools in any of the post-grad centers. They did have assessments, no one really followed through with them, and I got a lot of great experience supporting students through the college process, but that foundational piece of the career, that really was missing. So these ladies, it was a match made in heaven. It was just like, I feel like I was that missing puzzle piece. Mm -hmm. And what was your Mm -hmm. background before? My background was actually in business, and then what happened was the funding was removed for one of the Boulder Valley schools for the post-grad center, and they needed extra support to support their local counselors. So I started that process, got the international experience, and I just completed a UCLA program as well, maybe six months ago. Mm-hmm. But really, the basis, after going through that entire process, I was absolutely sold on the foundational piece, is every student has to start with, who are they? What are their strengths? What are their interests? And then figure from there, that's such a great jumping point. And you'll see well, when we abuse your, your son and your daughter. <laughs> I mean, I help them, happily. support them. <laughs> <laughs> so walk me through the whole process,
2: if you can, without giving it away too much of, if I were to send my son or daughter as early as you said, freshman or sophomore, what would you walk them through? And what can you do for these families?
1: In fact, today we were actually going through our process. We continually hone in everything that we do with these students to make sure we're using their time the most valuable way because these students are so incredibly, incredibly busy. So the process is we start with an assessment, and I know Mary talked a little bit about that, and get the foundational piece of what could be a potential career, which lines up to what could be a potential major. And then we start stepping back and talk about the social and academic fit so it's something like asking your son a little bit about what does he want out of his school experience not just academically but socially maybe he plays tennis or he wants to be involved in theater he wants to be in an urban school all these different things we really dig deep to figure out what's going to make this student very successful and feel that when they get onto this campus they're with their people and we find that this process there's a few more steps But if done successfully, the success rate is that these students graduate, they don't change majors, which saves these families money. So the upfront work of figuring out the career, the major, and then a really solid school list, those three things right off the bat save families money. And honestly, these students have a lot of confidence with their decision. So it really empowers them.
0: It saves some time, too, because it does. The average now is five and a half years to complete
1: wow. a, to like a
0: bachelor's, which is crazy. And yeah. they're in the business of making money. They're not going to stop you. Right. Exactly.
2: <laughs> so. When well, I'm thinking, OK, so these parents are paying you. And as soon as you said, you know, you sit with the student and you're going through this. OK, I can just see maybe not my son, but I can see what do you do if you have this kid that's like, I don't know. And I know the parents are obviously paying you. I don't know what you do, coaching or whatever it is, because these are freshmen and sophomore boys. Will they know at that point? (laughs) Well, the assessment serves up a number of results to give
0: them a lot of ideas. Some of them they might have thought of. And what's interesting, too, when we've each taken the assessment ourselves, what you dreamed about when you were a little girl shows up. Really? Yeah, it's kind of scary. There's really clusters that show up in the careers, and it's all based on the psychometric data that's been gathered. And through this journey we've been on, we've even met with Rich Feller here up at CSU, who is behind the assessment we use. The world became much smaller once we started voyaging out and and discovering things. You know, even if they don't have a data, they're like, oh, Oh, I never thought of that. And then it's like, oh, my dad knows a friend that does this. And then it starts the wheels. And then they can start identifying what they're seeing on.
2: And I bet you that is much more helpful, too, because I remember when I got that assessment back. I mean, I'm trying to grasp at my Mm -hmm. memories, but I remember actually getting interested. I'm like, oh, really? Versus just asking open ended questions and not getting the answers. And so there is some sort of something that's in front of them that they can see that, hey, you might not have thought of this, but... According to the assessment, these are some of these strengths that are being pulled out or does it dig deep enough to even assess the behavioral tendencies, I guess, that these kids are going through at the time?
3: Well, and I would say that to answer your question about how open are the boys and girls for that matter, we actually find them very open. Mm -hmm. I can recall, and the girls will say the same, I will debrief a parent because a lot of the time we meet with the students alone because we just want them to be free and clear of any things, any biases that could exist or the voices of their parents or the narrative that they've grown up with. And I will come out and talk to a parent and say, oh my gosh, your son talked about this and this. And they're like, okay, he doesn't say two words to us. And as a mom of two boys, I remember that time frame between 16 and like 24 that they were starting to gain independence and wanted to have their own thoughts and really not go back and forth with my husband and I so I can tell you what we offer is an independent ear and we don't have any objectives with them and I do want to explain college is not the only path we serve mm-hmm. up And I think we're a little bit unique as a college counseling company because we offer up gap experiences if we don't think they're ready emotionally, intellectually, physically. We offer up trade schools, two-year colleges, military. There are things that they expect when they come in that we're just going to slap on the table. And we really take that away, and we open up all options for them. And then we show them that they can see people that do those jobs without a formal, let's say four-year, six-year major. And it's so exciting for them because for the first time in their life, some of these kids are told that they have other options that maybe their school isn't offering it.
2: And that's a good point, too. And it's exactly what you said about it's that narrative that's been fed to them. And- As a parent, you don't think about some of these things that you might say all the time and that they're listening and that they're thinking about and they think that that's the only way to do it. And so having possibly that third party to come in, do an assessment, say this is basically what we're seeing is probably easier for both parent and child or young man or young woman to accept as well.
0: I have a funny story. We had a family. He wanted his son to take over his real estate business and he didn't show up having those skill sets. And he's like, I want you to show me a report that says he's going to be a realtor. And I was like, well, he can invest in real estate, but he's not going to be a realtor. And he's like, do you own this company? And I'm like, yes, but this is your son.
3: This you is guys, well, he goes, well, I'll is. pay you to make the reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know, no, we can't I'm do sorry. that. And Maybe in even- the end, what that's so cool about this story is this kid has a heart to coach Young adults, high schoolers in athletics, super tall young man and just Mm -hmm. awesome heart for kids. And by the end, his dad was so proud of him and so supportive, but the process had to work itself through Mm -hmm. for the dad to accept Mm -hmm. he wasn't going to follow in his footsteps. Wow.
0: Here's something you might not know. NOCO FM is also a podcast network producing one-of-a-kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now.
1: We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So
3: if you like what you're hearing, make NOCO FM a part of your day and tell your friends.
0: Remember, that's www.noco.fm.
2: So let's talk about another population that you work with as well. So we've kind of covered high schoolers. What about the kids that are already in college and they're kind of in that, well, I'm already here and I kind of declared this and now, but I don't feel right about this decision. So what do you do? I mean, I know that you said a lot of things overlap and you probably start maybe with an assessment, but maybe some of the stories or maybe some things that
3: you're seeing of this different age group. So often the kids that come to us that are in college are from the same parents that we've worked with, their high schoolers, mm-hmm. because it's a lot of word of mouth what we get. And so they will say, can you do the quote unquote the same thing with my college kids, the high schooler? Well, obviously we can't because they're in college. The other main difference that we see with the college kids is they are under a tremendous level of stress and anxiety when things aren't going right in college. They know they're spending their parents' money, a lot of money, They're competing with peers that are moving along, and they're not. And so the stress and anxiety that we see in them, first and foremost, we have to pull it down and really tell them, hey, listen, there is a solution. So just put that aside for a second, and let's just talk about you. So we go back to who are you, what are your strengths, and then we work through a similar process in the sense of the assessments, but it's more of looking at their curriculum understanding what can be transferred to other classes. So for instance, if they're in engineering and they're engineering bent, meaning they have still a mind for it, but they think they really like business now because they've taken a few business classes, we go, okay, if you're at CU or CSU and, and they've got these double programs, you could do a minor, you could take a few classes, and we really map it out for them so that they can still get out on time, still graduate with the classes that they need, but it's a more holistic program and then really diffuse their anxiety.
0: And then we also have the services to launch their career, too.
3: After graduation.
0: A lot of kids are getting offers while they're in school. Wow. So they really need to have their resume ready, have that interview skill set, the negotiation Mm
1: skill set. And a lot of the college career centers again, are maxed out, they really are having a hard time, unless you're specifically in engineering or business where they have dedicated career centers, it is difficult for these students to get individualized attention Mm -hmm. to really make an amazing resume. And what about,
2: I've got so many other people that are already in careers, And they're struggling because they're not happy or they're struggling because they feel a tug and they feel something else and they don't know what it is yet. Like they still don't know what it is, but they can't leave it because you know what? This is where I work and I'm making money. I can't just drop everything. So what do you do? And... Talk to me a little bit more about that population as well.
3: Okay, so the train is now even further down the track, right? And now they've got a mortgage and they've got kids in many cases or bills that they need to pay. So again, exponentially that stress and anxiety, they have also incorporated a much deeper narrative about who they are and what their worth and value is. and so. Untangling that, you almost feel a little bit more like a counselor than anything else. And just how much do they really want the change? What type of change? What can we create as far as transferable skills? And what would it take by way of investment, new education, training, mentorship, in order to make that switch? In some cases, they realize where they're at is really actually where they want to be with a few tweaks. Maybe just switch a little bit different job role or job family or move over and they don't have to make the big career change. And for others, they're like, no, I am done. I'm not happy. This is not what I want to do the rest of my life. And then we dismantle what they've been doing and look for commonalities. And truly, when you sit and listen to someone, you see that spark in their eyes and you go, that's it. That is really what's going to light them up and make them want to come into work tomorrow and the next day, and read about it at night, even when they're just sitting in their living room that they pick up that magazine or that article about it and know that that's the space they're supposed to move into. But frankly, it's a coach like any other coach to move them through and show them that it's obtainable because to them, most of these steps are insurmountable and they struggle and they truly get frozen. I know I did and I needed Laura. I think the same is true that you need somebody that believes in you and can remove those barriers. Now, I know that we've talked a lot about the for-profit
2: side, and I know that you ladies are not just about that too, but you have a foundation and a new nonprofit. And so talk to me more about the foundation. What is your goal and and what are some of the things that you are hoping to now give back?
0: Well, when we started... It was always with the intent that we would have, we have a giving platform, even with the profit side. And we really want to reach the majority of kids that don't live in our area, that are underserved, a lot of the first generation students. And that's really where my heart was after I left corporate America. I was like, I need to do something with more social impact here. So through, you've already interviewed Reg, so this journey that we've all been on where we just keep intersecting with each other. They have a program called 30 Days to Nonprofit, which is also the name of their website, .com. And we went through that. And actually, it was day 45. We got the letter that we had our 501c3. Our goal is not to reinvent the entire wheel of providing these services, but to come along all the other foundations and nonprofits in the Denver area, metro area, and maybe outside of Colorado and provide the services, augment what they have, be a little piece of the pie that they're not providing.
2: So these are other foundations, but... Is your business also going to be able to provide what you do for people that can afford it to the population that might not be able to? Is that yes. correct? So some of these people that might be listening to this show that are like, well, I don't know if I can afford that. There still is a possibility for them to either for yes. themselves or for their children or yes. to gain some yeah. of your
3: services that you do provide.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, we work with people individually, too
3: it's really fun. Uh, We have a parent that we're working with their boys and she said, my best friend's daughter is a high performing student in Arizona and just does not have the capability to pay for any of the services. And we've come alongside her with this mom who's funded a portion of it and a portion of it's our giving of our time. And there is nothing like working with the kids that truly can't afford it or their families don't even understand the process because the lights just they go on and the amount of joy and motivation that goes along with it is just awe-inspiring and we know we believe that those kids will turn around and pay it forward right it is just you put it out there and we know it will come back and That's the exciting part is there is nothing rocket science about. It's just it's something that we are passionate about. But at the end of the day, the more kids we can reach and the more families we can empower. And I know Rich Fellers, who created this assessment that's utilized in Georgia, the state of Georgia, is primarily created for those kids because many of those kids don't have parents that have gone before them to set the path. And so in their mind, there is no path to college. Wow. Wow. You know, this is a show about
2: giving back, and so I wanted to ask each one of you, what is this drive? Where do you think it came from that allows you to have a for-profit business, but then also take that and say no, but it's so important to have this other philanthropic leg? Because it's so easy, a lot of people think, Mm, no, I'm going to have a business or no, I'm going to have to just be a nonprofit, but you're both. And so it might not have anything to do with the business. It might just have something to do with you and your life and maybe somebody that shared it with you. Or where does this come from in your own heart of giving back and why is it so important?
3: It comes twofold full for me. One, it's a faith calling. Truly, I believe that it's a mission call for me now and I've heard it. And for a while I turned it back but I know that I'm where I'm supposed to be and the second is I grew up in New Mexico and I saw a lot of really high potential friends and I still do especially on the reservation where my cousins are and these kids are trapped because they're in a culture that doesn't understand what it needs to do to propel them and equip them and so they're in this state of dysfunction and frankly decline and so for me those are really the two big calls to action for me.
0: For me, I was a first-generation student, and this was a long time ago when I just stapled a check to a one-page application. And I was lucky enough to have a high school counselor who, in those days, you really didn't go see them unless you were in trouble. They checked in with you at the end what are you going to do? And he's like, you know, think about this instead. And it was a huge shift. I never even thought of it. And on my mom's deathbed, I don't think she still understood what it meant to be a computer science major. But that was when I see what's going on now, the struggle and the time and the stress, it just shouldn't be this hard. And that's where I want to be able to at least be that hand up that I received, Mm -hmm. even though life was a lot simpler then.
1: For me, my parents were both public school teachers in a small town in Wisconsin, and they did a couple different things right with the kids. Every day, they gave their hearts and souls to their jobs. They got paid literally no money. It's incredible to me. Brought up four kids, and what they did at school was not just teach, but they mentored these students. When my dad passed away and we had a ton of his students come to his funeral, They all said, you don't realize this happened to me and your dad, I got a girl pregnant and I was going to quit school and he gave me a case of beer to keep me in school. Your dad went to my house. All these things that going above and beyond what's expected, really knowing when somebody needs you, it was just such a gift. And being public school teacher is a very thankless job, but they didn't see it that way. They felt like they were given an incredible opportunity to really reach out and help other people. And that's what I feel is I've been given this incredible opportunity to do the same thing.
2: I'm just baffled because you all came from different backgrounds from what you're actually doing now. And I think (laughs) that it's just so crazy. Of course you all know me and I'm sitting in my same job that I do. Yes. I reach out and do a few things, but the bravery that you said, no, I'm done. And you all had great jobs to be able to come back and now serve others in a different way. Do you feel like when you went to school for what you were supposed to be doing and then you left, is there any regrets? Or do you feel like, no, everything that I did had led me up to this and now this is where I'm at. And yes, you were computer science or business or whatever it was. And can you relate what you did to what you're doing now?
3: Yes, and it's funny because when I left corporate, I thought, oh my gosh, I've done so many different things. And now as we sit with parents, even setting our validity, you know, they'll say, well, what makes you valid in doing what you do? And we talk through, this is the reason why we can talk to you about all these different careers, because those were our clients. Well, how can you talk to us about technical expertise? Well, we were technical or are technical. And those are the things that we ran businesses, and we managed people, and we educated, and We develop systems, and so I feel like I've been given the biggest gift with my partners in that if I don't do something well, it's almost magic that they do it perfectly. It's just the most incredible thing to sit in and watch this. So how old is Discover Pathways now?
2: Three Three years. years. Three years. Okay. And we're making money. Yay! (laughs) Because I remember it from the ground floor a little Mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. Looking at the past three years and where you're going, what are some of the things that you might need help with or connections or people volunteering or where can they find you? Because you said this is word of mouth, but I know that you do show up at different types of local community, either events, I don't know if you speak or people can even hire you to come in and be a speaker and to encourage some of these thought processes early. So where are some of those connections and where is some of the help that if there are listeners that are listening to us right now, that they might be able to reach out to you and
1: say, okay, I might want to help out or I might want to get involved. Well, I'll tell you what we really need some great support in is after we do tee up careers for students. And they look at these careers It says, I want to be, maybe you should be an architect or do something else like neurosurgeon. They're like, I don't even know what that means. So we are always looking for incredible professionals in a wide variety of areas to really tee up the opportunity for a student to speak with them. It could be an informational interview, it could be shadowing. But that is probably one of the most impactful times that students actually spend. And it really helps them make that decision of whether this is even a viable job. And they really see themselves doing this in the future. Yeah. That's a great point. Do you have a list of resources then? So
2: if somebody were to reach out and said, hey, you can contact me for this, this and this. Yes. You keep it somewhere. Yeah, and we that do. Why you. Okay, awesome. Yep.
0: And we'd like to create a video library of careers, too, because we understand everyone has A lot on their plate. And if we have 20 kids that want to talk about environmental engineering, that's going to be exhausting. (laughs) So that's our path. So, how we even get there with the video library is unknown right now.
3: And the other thing that would be really impactful for us is we want to educate too, right? I know as a mom, when I was working, the whole college process was so confusing and overwhelming. And I don't know why, but I naively thought. They would get all this in school, and they would just figure it out because it was similar to what my path was. But we love to speak with groups and organizations and parents to just help them get their hands and heads around what's going to happen. And then if they need the extra support, then we can provide it. So we definitely do a lot of that. We do a lot of public speaking and just education, and we want to do more of that. And frankly, that was part of our nonprofit because school systems don't want to show favor, and we totally understand that as a for profit. And so we said, What if we come alongside you as a nonprofit and do education seminars? You know, what is FAFSA? What is the college application process? And help the parents who can help themselves get their heads and hands around it.
2: Yes, and I already have a place I want to book you, so you're yeah, already on my list.
0: <laughs> yeah, and for the foundation, we'll definitely need volunteers once we start coming alongside okay. others. We're, we're working with one group in Denver right now, but as we expand, there's only three of us. So if we go to a workshop-type setting, we're going to need help.
2: Nice. What might be some of your favorite stories in the past three years that you remember that may have impacted you?
0: Well, all I know in the last three years is I truly believe in the law of attraction because once you start thinking about something, <laughs> I mean, the people we've Seriously. met, or like we were at TEDx and we had a booth there, and we're standing next to this gentleman who was very similar to us, and we started partnering with him. So it's really just so interesting it's out there. I mean, we just keep bumping into things and we say, oh, isn't that crazy? And We're like, no, it really isn't.
3: And I can think of one. I was working with a young lady and she just decided she wants to do a gap here and she's a very adventurous young lady and 1130 on a Friday night I received this text from her saying she's looking at Nepal and India to go on a gap experience and she started sending me pictures of elephant rides and all of this and my husband looks over and he goes, are you kidding me? And I go, this beats my old job any day (laughs) is there anything about
2: discover pathways that we might not have covered that you guys want to talk about or share with our listeners
1: i do have a couple things i think one of the unique things about our organization is that we partner with a lot of different companies to support our entire process we use a great essay resource that our students all have access to That really supports a strong essay. We also have an amazing organizational platform. So students and families come to us and they're armed with a lot of different tools to make this process more effective and impactful for them. What is one piece of advice
2: that you can share with our listeners on just making the world a better place?
3: Believe in your kids. And these kids have such an incredible awareness of their world and access to it. And if we believe in them, they're going to fulfill a much greater purpose than we ever imagined.
1: And I'd like to tee off that too, Mary. Just not having these students believe in themselves, but it really starts with you. When you're working with these students, you really have to model the behavior of how did you get where you are, being an open person, not judging. And I have to say, when you meet somebody and you're, they're really revealing some really big things about themselves when they're doing these college essays specifically, you have to create a very open environment. And I just think if everybody can just listen to people, not judge, really just listen, and you don't have to comment. You don't have to fix anything. You just have to listen I think that piece right there supports everybody just moving forward in a very powerful way.
0: And I would just say life is too short to be so unhappy in your job. If you're crying at work or totally disengaged, you need to have some courage to maybe downsize your car and have a little money saved so that you can make a shift.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World and thank you NOCO FM for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of NOCO FM.